Hi everyone, I'm Jessica. And I'm Maureen. You're listening to Suspicion. <laughs> we have another new voice for you. I know you're wondering when is this family gonna end? <laughs> This is my mom, Maureen. Welcome to the show, Mom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are going to jump right in today. We have a case that I thought was a good choice because it reminds me of you, Mom. (laughs) This feels like something you would end up Mm. doing. I think you and Sheila have something in common. Oh, yes. I mean, once people hear about Sheila, it's pretty remarkable what she ends up doing at um, a later point in life in her 50s. So that's not that old, but it's unusual. Yes. Yeah. And... uh I'll give my mom a shout out. We talk about this a lot on the show, but my mom is actually the person who really got us into true crime. So if you think Morgan and I know a lot about true crime stories, we've got nothing on this woman. (laughs) She was putting on Dateline when we were definitely too young for it. (laughs) So she is excited to be here and to be talking about a true crime story. So with that, let's jump on in. Okay. Today we will be talking about the story of Angela Samoda. Angela Samoda started college at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas in 1982. On her first day in college, she met her soon-to-be best friend and roommate, Sheila Wysocki. Everything was your typical college experience until two years later in 1984 when Angela was brutally murdered. On October 12, 1984, Angela was found in her bedroom in the early morning hours. She had been raped and violently stabbed 18 times, resulting in her death. That night, Samoda and two friends, one male and one female, went to the State Fair of Texas. They also participated in the University of Texas football team's Red River Showdown facing the University of Oklahoma. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Red River Showdown? Fun. Some Southern uh, football? Oh, big. I'm sure it's a... Big school football. Yes. Big university football. That is a blast. The friends then went out to the Rio Room Dance Club and stayed there until about 1 a.m. Angela then drove her two friends home and stopped by her boyfriend's apartment to say goodnight. Then finally, she went back to her own apartment. Quickly after Angela arrived home, though, her boyfriend called police to report that he had received a phone call from Angela that ended up disconnecting. So this made him feel uncomfortable, like something might have gone wrong. The police went to Angela's apartment, and they found her body naked on her bed. And viciously stabbed 18 times. So... 
And it a was lot, overkill. A lot of stab wounds to her actual heart. Oh my god. Which goodness. is what the, the wounds that ultimately led to her death. Mm. Angela was vivacious and friendly, and one of the few women at the time in computer science and electrical engineering department. She was described by Sheila as a triple threat. Great personality, very cute, and smart. And in 1984, being computer science and electrical engineering... It was unheard of. I mean, she was a trailblazer. Right. Um... When Sheila went to the police station to answer questions about Angela's murder, she quickly understood that the police had already identified a suspect, Russell Buchanan. Russell was four or five years older than Angela, and he was already established in his career as an architect. Angela thought he could be a good connection for her with um, the, her future her job. future job. Because, right. Yeah. As an architect in and electrical she, engineering, oh. you would work on projects together, I'm sure. And this shows what kind of person Angela was again, that, you know, she still has like two years before she's graduating school and at this point. And she's already... Thinking, this is a good relationship. Exactly. That she's, will provide connections. She's already networking. Oh so she's yeah. serious. Uh, Sheila described her as very studious and academically inclined. So she really had her head on straight with what she wanted to do in the future. Oh, that is... Okay, so that explains... Um, she had invited him out that same night so he was the male friend and then the her girlfriend was it Sheila it wasn't Sheila it okay. was another girlfriend so it was so Angela night- Russell and another female friend who were the three who went out that night that she was later murdered all right and they had been to the football game then they went to the club okay so Russell was one of the last people to see her alive. Um, hmm. And so I I read Russell was their prime suspect at this time. They did suspect her boyfriend. Maybe not even suspect is the right word, well, they but they did to look consider. into him. Yeah. So feels kind of typical of where the police would start their investigation. With yes. the two men. Who saw her last. So they quickly ruled out the boyfriend mm-hmm. um, and narrowed in on Russell. Wow. Okay, so that's... Sheila told police that Russell had made her feel uncomfortable. Um so the few times she had met Russell, she just got a vibe, I guess. Got a I'm vibe that he was um, kind of creepy or something. Maybe she just was suspicious. Why did he want to hang out with two 
college sophomores or juniors or right because he was older and it sounds like if he was working as an architect so he was out of college um i don't know i feel like 20 to 24 though it's mm. not so much of an aggressive no age it's not it's gap. not so you're not in that much of a different place like 20 to 30 Right. You're in different places in your life. For yeah, sure. 20 to 24, that's that's not... Um, You're still figuring things out. Yeah, yeah. And girls do mature. Mm-hmm. Much younger age. Yes. Than males. Sheila was ready to do anything to help the police catch their top suspect... Russell. So she started talking to Russell to see if she could catch differences between the story he told that night um, and what he had told police had happened. And she even went so far as to go out to dinner with Russell though she was terrified because she thought he was the killer of her best friend. And, and, and the, her mom, she she wrote her mom, was like, what are you doing? Don't go out with this right. person who's a murderer. He's a, and he was, at that point, the only suspect um, that the police were considering. After dinner... Sheila told police that Russell's story remained the same as always. And um, the police kept interviewing him until eventually Russell had enough. And he, he got himself a lawyer. Which is quite honestly from... All of the true crime cases that I've read about people who are innocent and are convicted, I really think you kind of have to get a lawyer if you're talking to the police. Right. Because, especially in this situation. Um, right. You gave them your account of what happened. And you were, you were open at the beginning um there's just so many i mean you watched the netflix mini series about the central park five. Oh my god part of as much yeah. as you could handle of it and so especially after watching that and what happened mm-hmm. to those boys in the police station oh yeah um just a, a very quick synopsis. We're not going to get into this too much, but the Netflix special is called When They See Us. Um, but just what happened to the boys in the Central Park Five case, these five boys were brought in for kind of being rowdy in the park. Next thing you know, police get them to confess to raping a woman in Central Park. They were very young boys. The police coerced them. None of them even knew each other, and eventually they were exonerated when the real rapist came forward. Yeah. 
and and that's that's Russell at the time he's not that old um, and that can be very intimidating mm-hmm. I mean he really spent a lot of time speaking with the police and I'm sure he wanted to be helpful in finding out who did this. But um, if you have more than one police officer who's saying uh, they think he's the one that committed this atrocious murder, he had to have a lawyer. Yes. And it turns out he got himself um, a notorious attorney called Richard Haynes, and Richard Racehorse Haynes, <laughs> the name he went the by, yeah. Um, he was notorious for getting guilty people off, and um, so that made Sheila think, Oh, that's why Russell got himself that famous attorney, um, because he's guilty of the murder, and he wants one of the best defense attorneys to get him acquitted of all charges. But um, really, it was a smart move if, if he also, if he felt wait, I'm innocent. I'm being railroaded. Um, I, get the I, best need, attorney. I need the best attorney. So after just investigating Angela's horrible murder, they stopped the investigation because they're there was no physical evidence, right? Well, there was physical evidence. Oh, right. So they did do a rape kit and collect all of this, yeah, physical oh, evidence. Physical, but they had but no way of testing of it, analyzing it. Mm-hmm. No, they did not have DNA. DNA was very new at this point. Okay, because is it 1984, 85? Yep, exactly. So, um, so though they did collect evidence, and you hope that they stored it properly and it didn't get lost somewhere, but um, it's interesting... Sheila never returned to college. Just it was she was an emotional. Oh, I don't wreck. I don't. How, I don't think could I you? could. Yeah, it feels it changed very everything. close to it changed yeah everything for her. Um, so she did not return to college. She at the time Sheila did stay in contact with the detective assigned to Angela's case and they became very close friends 
and Sheila ended up inviting him to attend her wedding. So for years, Sheila tried to move on from this time in her life, always keeping Angela in her mind, of course, but progressing with her own life. Until 2004, about 20 years after Angela was murdered, Sheila was reading for Bible study when she says that she looked to her right and saw Angela. Oh, just... Like a ghost. Looked up and just could see her friend as if she was standing in yes. front of her. Okay. Sheila took that as a sign and picked up the phone and immediately called the Dallas Police Department. She originally asked to speak with the cold case um, Detective. detectives, but they didn't have a cold case department mm-hmm. there. So she asked to speak with the detective that she had been gotten close to from all those years ago, um, who was on Angela's case, the one who went to her wedding. Okay, yeah. But he never called her back. Sheila continued calling. I believe I read that over, she called over 750 times. Oh my gosh. And she was met <laughs> with the same silence. Oh no. During this time, though, Sheila was doing her due diligence. She started compiling information about all the rapes that happened during the time around Angela's murder so that she could see maybe any Pattern. patterns. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One day, Sheila was venting about getting nowhere with the case with those detectives to the head of security in her, lo- in her gated community. At that time, he mentioned that Sheila would be a great private investigator. Mm. And Sheila took this as another sign. She went home that night and told her husband that she was going to become a private investigator. <laughs> Sheila needed to be sponsored. That's a criteria of becoming a private investigator. And she was lucky enough that the security guys in her gated community were willing to sponsor her. They taught her everything they knew. And Mm. she studied really hard for her private investigator exam. And she passed. (laughs) Sheila started working as a PI in her community and thought that now, since she's a professional, she's incredible, yeah. Of course, the police would sit down and work with her. And she said, "How stupid was I? <laughs> they couldn't have cared less." Right. I mean, she's as far as they know, she's a soccer mom. She attends Bible study. She's probably in the local garden club. <laughs> and she can't, they're like, oh, she just can't oh, yeah. let it go. She, yes, yes. She has no idea what she's doing or what she's talking about. But they were underestimating Sheila. They sure were. Because Sheila was not going to give up. <laughs> Finally... The police were tired of hearing from her, mm-hmm. so they reopened the case, and they assigned a new female detective, Linda Crum, to the case, and Linda started to take Sheila seriously. The detective told Sheila that they had the evidence they needed to find Angela's murderer. 
So this was very interesting. At one point, the police had told Sheila that the evidence in Angela's crime had been destroyed in a flood. Yeah, see, I know that happens. But then Linda said, oh, no, we have it. It's all preserved. Gosh. I don't know where the breakdown was there, but... And what evidence did they have? So they had skin um, from Angela's attacker, attacker. They had skin under Angela's fingernails that belonged to her attacker because Angela, she fought back. Mm-hmm. They also had semen from a rape kit that they had done. Mm-hmm. So two different samples for wow. DNA. Yeah. They went through the process to submit the DNA for testing in 2008. And unlike what you experience when you're watching uh, CSI Mm. or any of those, Criminal Minds, any of those SVU, any of those TV shows, this testing is not quick. So it was almost two years later in later 2009 that they actually got the DNA results back. Wow. Um, When the results came in, the detective called Sheila right away and said, we've got them. Sheila was expecting to hear Russell Buchanan's name. And instead, the detective said a name that Sheila had never heard before. Sheila refers to Angela's killer as the beast, but his real name was Donald Bess, B-E-S-S. He was a serial rapist out on parole at the time Angela was raped and murdered. Oh, At the time, he was identified as Angela's killer. He was serving a life sentence for one count of aggravated rape, one count of aggravated kidnapping, and one count of sexual assault. So just to clarify here, Donald Bess was paroled. When Angela was raped and murdered. Yeah. Then he wasn't out too long when he actually faced charges for aggravated rape, aggravated kidnapping, and sexual assault. So when they identified him as Angela's killer, he was already serving a life sentence. Okay. So he was in jail when they identified him. But now, and that's interesting. So... He was serving a life sentence for a victim who survived. Yes. Aggravated rape, aggravated kidnapping, yes. sexual assault. Um, but then they had the physical evidence they needed to prove He murdered Angela. Yes. And, you know, who knows why. She might have fought back and he just wanted to silence her if 
It's yeah. So, yeah, it's so crazy because stabbing someone 18 times is just um, a whole level of I know aggression. I mean, none of this clearly was his first time doing this. No, I no, mean, no. he was in prison as a serial rapist before he murdered and raped Angela. He was back in prison after he attacked Angela. Um, his ex-wife came forward at Angela's trial to say that he had abused her and their child. Oh, I mean, he was, he was a bad guy. Well, Sheila refers to him as the beast, and that is exactly mm-hmm. what he was. He was a vicious beast. Sheila traveled to Dallas to see Angela finally get justice. At this point, it's 24, 25 Mm -hmm. years after her brutal murder. Bess was sentenced to death in 2010. Today, he remains on death row. Sheila wanted to tie things up for herself, and she ends up contacting Russell Buchanan and meeting him, and she apologizes for her prejudice against him for all of those years. It's tough if the police are telling you it's this one suspect. It's so complicated because you have so much trust and faith in the police, but, I mean... They it can be they're, they're humans too. You oh, know yeah. they they don't always get it right. So yeah. it's very tricky. But Russell actually said to Sheila, you know, thank you for keep like because you kept going. My name is totally cleared. cleared. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Well, that is good to hear. And people can um, look up. The story online. Yeah, we um, will post resources as usual on our website, suspicion.com, in our resources section. So you can read a little bit more. Um, there's some videos on YouTube. We watched a little bit. We actually started watching a video of some of the work Sheila's doing now. <laughs> and we got way off track. And I said, Mom, we need to record right now. And she goes, all right, but when I get home, I'm getting back on this. I'm getting back on. I mean. I'm finishing this now, video. I'm now president of uh, Sheila's fan club. Yes. Because she is one tough woman. You were also asking a lot of questions about what it takes to become a private investigator. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a career change for you coming up. (laughs) Well, I just might look into it. (laughs) As Sheila has shown, it's never too late. It's not too late. No, I'm a little older than Sheila, but that's okay. So our organization spotlight for today is called Investigating Innocence. 
Investigating Innocence is a not-for-profit organization that provides investigative support to indigent inmates, lawyers, and innocent projects throughout the United States who seek to prove post-conviction claims of actual innocence. From their website, all of our members who are private investigators have agreed as a condition of membership to work at a reduced public defender rate when retained by our organization or from members of the Innocence Network. Our members have also pledged when it is financially feasible to provide a limited number of hours of pro bono services to our organization in helping to review worthy cases that deserve further investigation. So not every victim has a Sheila to be working. Oh, gosh. No, most do not. For 20 years for them. So we thought Investigating Innocence was a good organization to highlight today because they are working to do that for people who have no other means. No other help. Mm -mm. You can visit their website to learn more at investigatinginnocence.org. Good. Yeah. Well, it's a wrap. I think that was quite an interesting case. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, as usual, please keep an eye out on our Instagram. Morgan works really hard on those posts, so give her a like. <laughs> um, our Facebook, both our suspicion. And... Please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and, review, and subscribe. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for listening. And, and I enjoyed it. Stay suspicious. Yes. Morgan will never join with me to say it. <laughs> you're on your own today, too. Yeah. <laughs>